And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. Uh, this is the Horizon League Tournament Motor City Madness Edition. I am Bob McDonald. I am on Twitter at Bob McDonald, and I am on. Uh, you can catch me every week at uh, campuspressbox.com. I am joined, as always, by Jimmy Lemke. Hello, everybody from the Horizon League. All right, and Jimmy is at PantherU on Twitter and at PantherU.com. Uh, we have ourselves a uh, we have ourselves a guest. We have Carrick Jones again. Our first repeat guest, by the way. Our first wow, repeat I feel guest. Fresh. Yes, Carrick Jones. He uh, Carrick Jones is also uh, we we have him also uh, working with us over at Campus Press Box. He's actually going to be uh, putting together something for us on Motor City Madness for the. Uh, for uh, for the site this week. Yep. And uh, thank you once again for doing that. That's gonna be uh, that's gonna be some good stuff for us. Yeah. You know, I tell you what, I had a fun time down there. I, I think I've spent more time in Joe Louis Arena the last two days than I have my whole life. Um, <laughs> but you know, it was it was a fun time. Good atmosphere. Um, kind of surprised how well they did with the crowd today. But there was a lot of people from a lot of U of D fans there. Um, mm, okay. I would say more than a regular home game. So. <laughs> Um, Interesting. And I'll build the program good by that. All right. Um, and uh, and remember, you can uh, visit fourlights.fm. Uh, that's where we're hosted the podcast, and uh, you can subscribe wherever wherever uh, good podcasts are found. Uh, like a, a, as you can guess, we've got a lot to get get through. First two rounds of Motor City Madness are through. Uh, but first, a uh, little bit of sad news. Actually, a lot of bit of sad news. Uh, unfortunately, um, Chip Hooper, who is the father of Oakland's Max Hooper, uh, passed away, and he. Had, he had been battling cancer for a while, uh, had a stroke. He, you know, really, really emotional senior night. If you anybody saw that on ESPN, um, real emotional reunion between father and son. Unfortunately, he had uh, he lost his battle over the weekend. So our condolences go out to uh, the Hooper family and and you know and the Oakland family, you know, the the Oakland team as well. I feel like we're spending too much time in this this podcast's first season um, you know say goodbye to people um, after this it's just it's 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 rough and you feel for people but I mean it's it's just part of life so uh, big apologies from us I know we have a lot of Oakland fans that listen to the podcast so, you know it goes out to all of you guys yeah, I mean, it was. I I'm so happy that I was uh, at the game to see that. I mean, I, I think it was the one of the most beautiful things I've seen in sports. Um, and I've I've watched a lot of basketball games, and uh, I mean, it was it was literally one of the most beautiful things in sports. Him running up there, uh, I mean, I think I watched the clip 15 or 16 times, and I was bawling my eyes out like a baby. Um, yeah. So it's it's too bad. No clue on if he's going to play. Um, that Oakland's being real vague on if he's going to play or not. Uh, I know he's in California right now, um, so that's something to watch yeah. through the next few days. Yeah, I would. I would probably. I, I would probably be guessing he's probably not going to be back for the the entire tournament. I mean, he he's obviously got way more on his plate right now than anything else. I wouldn't be. Uh, I, I wouldn't. You know. <laughs> 
not playing, I wouldn't blame him for playing. Uh, it's really, you know, up to the kid. It's up to Max himself. If he wants to play, he can. If he if he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to. So, I mean, he, could, he can make threes from, from California yeah. if he needs to. So. That's true. <laughs> yeah, he'll probably just Very shoot all his threes from L.A. There you go. So, um... But yeah, but uh, back again to the games we play, and we played a lot of them this weekend. Um, you know, first two rounds are in the books, and the top four seeds remain. Uh, Jimmy, uh, unfortunately, you and I have something in common. Green Bay beat both of our teams. Yeah, uh, yeah this week it was a, uh, it was tough. It, you know, it, I, it's it, it's so hard to come in to the, a season like this with the high expectations we had. And usually I would I like coming in saying that I don't expect Milwaukee to do very well, but I, I, I saw the roster coming into the season. I saw that we were deeper at guard than we've probably ever been, actually we've really truly ever been. Uh, and... Unfortunately, you know, I kind of turn a blind eye to the fact that after Panoski and Tybee, we were extremely thin on the front line. Um, you know, Scotty Tyler never got traction, and the Paul bro- twins haven't developed to the point where they were, you know, Jeter could felt like he could put them out there for more than a few minutes at a time. So the, the, the front court was definitely lacking this season, and... It showed tonight, you know, once Panoski followed out, that was when Green Bay pulled away. Um, he was, it's, it's a tough way to end a Horizon League career. I really hope that this isn't the end for Tybee and Panoski. I'd like to see these guys, um, I'd like to see these guys and J.R. Lyle, although I'm not sure if he'll be able to, shoulder injury. Uh, I'm not sure if <clears throat> they'll be able to. Uh, play in the postseason. I'd like to say that we go to the CBI or CIT or this new Vegas 16, but I'm just not sure. Um, as for Green Bay, um, you know, Link, Link Darner has brought about, uh, he has really had, had brought about a <clears throat> big advance, advancement of Carrington Love's game, and it showed he is a much better player you know, in this week than he has been, or this season than he was before. And it wasn't just because he was now outside of Psych's shadow. Um, he really embraced Darner's system. And the good thing is that Faust really fit, you know, Faust could really work within Darner's system too. So Green Bay is a hell of a team. And I, I, I do feel good for those two guys specifically, Faust and Love, because they are definitely, um, they are, they are, Friends with a lot of our players, uh, they they I, I've seen them plenty of times down on campus uh, during the years that they've been there, and um, I know that 2014 stung quite a bit for those two guys. So for them to kind of have a bit of closure with that by knocking us out this year, uh, I feel good for them there on that. Um, I wish them all the best of luck with Valpo uh, tomorrow. I should maybe I should say today. I don't know when this podcast will get posted. This is Sunday night about seven thirty our time. So it's um, it's tough for us on our side, but every season you know every season ends in a loss, as Kyle Welliston always said. So it's, it's unfortunate, but you try and you try and press forward 
we have a lot of question marks. I know that some of the other teams have a lot of question marks moving forward. So I'm, you know, I'm glad to know that we're not alone in in sitting on the bench and watching the rest of the Motor City Madness. Yeah, I will say this though, and I don't know if I've I've saw this any other time during uh, during the regular season, and maybe you have, but it seems to me that that Green Bay really kind of ramped up the defense in the these two games more than they had during the regular season. It just seems to me that that's the case. I mean, you know, they, they, and now mind you, of course, you know, you, you got a Cleveland state team that doesn't score very much anyway, but um, seems to me that they were, they, they were a lot more active on, on the defensive front. These, these two first two rounds than they had been during the regular season. Yeah. I mean, they're just uh, they, they they the pressure that this RP forty you know this relentless pressure for forty minutes uh, the, the the pressure that they can put on teams uh, really is an advantage. Um, winning four games in four nights, especially when one's going to be Valpo and the other is going to be either Oakland or Wright State, that's a pretty tall order. Um, this is a transition here for Green Bay, so I think every Green Bay fan out there should be very happy that in what is supposed to be a down year for them in transition, they have still uh, really turned it on, especially in the last few weeks, as you said. So I, I'm, I think there's plenty to be happy about, excited about for the future. And the future might be in the next couple of days. You never know if Green Bay can, you know, finally beat sure. Elpo. It's hard to beat a team three times in one year. And Velpo swept Green Bay in the regular season – but they, they, they needed a buzzer beater to beat them in Green Bay. So That's true. You know they're going to be chopping at the bat for that. And I, I don't think that Bryce Drew will ever have a team, uh, you know, get caught in a trap game in the conference tournament. But, um, you know, it's not out of the question to see them. Valpo may be looking ahead a little bit and get caught. Because Green That's Bay true. is one of those. Sorry. One of those teams. Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah, what happens? Um, <laughs> um, something I was thinking about uh, in the car ride home with Perry Farrell on the free press. Any chance you guys think Bryce Drew overthinks this because he's probably hopping on to greener pastures? Nah, no. No. Bryce Drew is going to stay there at that program until he wins. Uh, yeah. We talked about this a little bit last week, uh, last episode, because we, you know, Jimmy and I had talked a little bit about the, you know, the the, the opportunities he's already passed up, and but, I, I don't, I don't see this next opportunity is very large. Yeah, it depends Louisville, on the. It's if Louisville calls him, he's not going to drop everything. Yeah. Well, maybe, but I just, I, I think that I don't think that Bryce Drew, who is in this incredible situation. I mean, we are talking about a guy who basically owns that town. He, he does. That is, he, is the, he is mayor for life. He is president of the campus for life. This is his, this is his home. But He's basically, and, and what I'm saying is not that he won't take that Louisville job should it open up or another you know, you know, elite top 25 national program job that opens up. I'm not saying that he wouldn't take that. I'm saying that I don't think Bryce Drew's worried about that. <laughs> and he <laughs> might not be, but, but to quote Kendrick Lamar, the yams got a lot of power. 
And someone's <laughs> throwing two or three million dollars at a little kid from Mayberry. Uh, I think the kid from Mayberry, as much as he loves his hometown there, might might have to take some money and run. I mean, his brother's making bank down. Hasn't that already happened at least a couple of times already? I mean, Jimmy, we talked about it in Mississippi State. Didn't they want to throw a whole bunch of smolians at him? But they're not – but it's it's not Louisville. It's not the ETC. It's not Bryce Drew takes on uh, Coach K and the loser Roy Williams. It's it's Duke in Carolina and Jim Boheim in Syracuse, wherever the heck you say his name. I mean, it's – it's Pitt. It's all those huge arenas. It's it's having a recruiting budget where he can go get the weird kids he wants and fly to Bosnia to go get them. You know, um, it's it's a difficult it's 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 going to be difficult for Valpo fans because it'll eventually happen. But if I, I know that Valpo people are they're living in the now, and okay. I don't they're an Bryce, angry bunch too. I don't think Bryce Drew is well. They're they're angry because. You've been in this conference for a long time. We we can talk about the tournament in a minute, but with with Bryce Drew, I just I don't think he's gonna leave until he gets what he wants, and that is you know winning in the NCAA tournament with that team. If that if they if that screws up and they don't get that this year, and then Louisville comes with a pile of money, I'm sure the guy will have to think a lot long a lot lot longer and a lot harder. But I don't think anybody's really worried about him. I don't think he's really worried about that next job. If somebody wants to come get him, they'll come get him. They're not going to worry about what he's doing with. He's he's not he's not going to worry about is he does he have to think about it right now? Like, Bryce Drew's not going to think about that. Bryce is going to he's everything he's doing right now is thinking about Green Bay. So yeah. I'm not. I, if, uh, I don't uh, think Green Bay, and, and Green Bay again as as we as you mentioned uh, that. They he had they had to beat you know at the buzzer when they went up to Green Bay and this is a neutral site so you know anything's possible so I, I it, it it doesn't see strike me as something that would happen that Bryce Drew would run into a trap game um, stranger things have happened though so but I, I don't think that's gonna be I I really think he's gonna have them they're gonna be rested they're gonna be prepared and well to it, it's gonna it's gonna be good. But they also uh, hey, Tavon Walker is out. Okay. Um, well, yeah, let me, I, let me put it this talk? way: I was told he's at forty percent, has not practiced, and cannot run. That sounds yeah. a lot like out to me. Uh, yes, it does. <laughs> um, well, I yeah he, yeah cause, well he was uh yeah because I think he when did he go out of the the last game and I don't even remember to tell you the truth. I have no clue. So, uh, it it doesn't surprise me that he's out of he's gonna he's probably gonna be out for this game and he's probably gonna, obviously he's probably gonna be out for the championship game should they advance. So, um, I would probably you know, but at the same time, again, this is Valpo where you know you have so many people, you have so many players in that rotation, you have so many you know players that can kind of pick up the slack, if you will. So I, I, I think, you know, don't get me wrong, obviously Tavon Walker, losing Tavon Walker is, is, is pretty sizable. But if it was any other team, losing a Tavon Walker would be catastrophic in the case of Falpo. You know, it, it's manageable, I think. I would agree. Um, the other kid I was really impressed with today watching Green Bay was Charles Cooper. 
I I didn't uh, really catch on to him when they played Detroit in Detroit, but watching him today, he's got he can jump, he can shoot the long ball, he's a slasher. He reminds me of a little Chris Jenkins. He yeah, actually the funny thing is, you bring up Chris Jenkins, and the first time I saw him play, that's who I thought of. I was like I was like this is this is a guy who's just all over the gym. He can jump the uh, jump with anybody, and oh by the way. He shoots well. It's uh, you know people talk at Green Bay. They're all all about Khalil Small, but I think Charles Cooper is the guy you know for them in the future. I'm just I, I'm personally very impressed with him. Uh, I, Green Bay's got plenty to be happy about moving forward, and you know Link Darner is just going to pull you know a bunch of players that work with Cooper and work with Small and work you know in that system. So. Yeah, we're gonna to have to deal with Cooper for for more time. <laughs> I I think Link Donner's playing with with loan money though right now. Those are a lot of them. Those aren't his kids. Yeah, you know, he's a D two coach. I doubt he's gonna recruit the same type of talent uh, that Wardle curled because Wardle has some guys on that team that are high major players. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would argue outside of Oakland and Milwaukee and Detroit, they're probably the third or fourth best recruiting school over the last four or five years. Um, you know, and a lot of it, I think, is is Brian Wardle, and we're just going to have to see, because I haven't seen anything from Darner that says, hey, I'm I'm a legitimate D1 coach. Right now, he looks like a very good X's and O's coach uh, that's playing with house money. So, I know that I know that Green Bay, as a university, um, they, they don't have much money, but they know how to support a program in a myriad of other ways, and that's what. That, what that sounds interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they they know how to support the program. You know, they'll, they'll they'll put on the steak fry. They'll put on different things. They'll get. They will. They don't have. They they um, fry the steak up there. <laughs> it's called a steak fry. They do it in the in the Lambeau Field atrium every. It's a it's it's a fun deal, but the how how do I say this? <laughs> I don't I don't want to say this without with actually saying things. Um, You're trying to say they they do improprieties without saying. Uh, <laughs> Be careful, Jimmy. Be careful. They they get they get good kids that you know we can't recruit. Um, there are certain players that they've that Wardle has recruited um, that we were rec- that we would recruit up until a certain point with them. So oh, uh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. So it's okay. it's, it's, it's kind of like how we didn't acquire K. Felder. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. So it's, okay, it's I'm, fine. I'm completely lost here. So <laughs> we'll tell you after we go. Uh, we'll talk you. offline. <laughs> Thank you. That makes me feel a lot better. Thank you. Um, Green Bay has has a nice corporate sponsorship with Bell and Health, and their fans are very rabid fans. And the program, the university, supports the program. Donald, you know, Link Darner walked into that campus, and on day one, he's able to do uh, plenty of things. Um, and I'm not talking about, not I'm not talking about breaking rule things. I'm saying that he's he he came in on campus and the chancellor basically just you know lets him do what he needs to do to win. Um, and that's I'm not talking about breaking rules. I'm saying like 
if he needs to go to the cafeteria to talk to students, he can go and talk to students in the cafeteria without having to worry about, you know, a thousand feet of red tape to cut through to go there. Um, obviously, we're not just talking about, you know, going to the cafeteria to talk to a student, but, uh, like... Yeah, like, fire the kids up and everything. Yeah, Green Bay doesn't get in the way of their basketball program. The UWGB does everything it can to support its basketball program, is what I was trying to say. Well, that's, that's good, because we had uh, Howard talk to one of our frat houses, um, and and uh, not to put Dan Leach on the spot, uh, but in a lack of better words, Dan Leach had to do the firing up. Um, Howard Carrick, his his legal name is Howard. Raymond Cowan. My displeasure with him <laughs> by calling him by his legal name. Okay, I just I have been just doing wanted to clarify that for those scoring at home. Yes, no. I, from what I have been told, his legal name is Howard. Yeah, Where did you get away from that? That's weird. Oh God. <laughs> okay. I, I, um, can, I can call Junior right now and ask, but I, I really don't think a guy who just got waived wants to to talk to a kid that he sat <laughs> next to in like five classes. Yes. He no. is a free agent and has. I think he's still playing for Re- for the Bighorns right now. Not the Bighorns. Whoever San Antonio's little league team is. Oh, he got waived Austin. last week. They got a te- they got a D league team in Austin. Yeah. He's yeah. Uh, him and Kiefer Sykes are currently teammates. Oh, I was going to say, because isn't Sykes on that team, too? Yeah. Uh, the, the the rumor around Detroit, um, the the big rumor that, like, the Channel 7 and 2 and 4 people are saying is the McCallums together could possibly end up with the Pistons in the future. Um, Doing they're, what? They're both friends with Stan Van Gundy. Yeah. Stan the Van master Gundy. of panic. I love Stan Van Gundy. He, he, is, he is my favorite Ron Jeremy lookalike. Yeah. Um, he he is weird. I went to the Ray McCallum and Stan Van Gundy talk hoops dinner fundraiser we had. Yeah. Because when you're student body president, they send you those things. Uh, Stan Van Gundy, he he does not have a filter. Um, every time I see every time I see see Stan Van Gundy and think of him talking, I think of the one Chris Farley character, the the motivational speaker who lives in a van yeah. down by the river. He's he's not like that, but the, the man ate a lot at that reception. I mean, he it was a strolling dinner, and he strolled to every food stop and ate, and was just raving about Andre Drummond with some Good. alumni. And it was he's a he seems like an interesting guy, but they both coached at at Wisconsin together. Uh, yeah, I was gonna I, say that. The the funny thing is, I've got uh, I, I've you know we 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 beat Wisconsin this year, and I, one of our fans. Good <laughs> that, aren't you, Jimmy? Oh yeah, I love that. I'm I'm I just I love that. I still have the sign in my window for all the Badger fans with the score from December 9th. But uh, you got a fan named Derek Kelly who is. Very much like a historian of the program, he is he has compiled every television game we've ever played, and uh, we were watching the Badger game uh, this year from the that the last time we beat them in ninety was it ninety two ninety three, and I wasn't even born. I'm seeing a young a young Ray McCallum seeing freshman here. year of college for me. Thanks. Like, oh, hey Ray, like I saw him, and then I you know I know that. Sam Van Gundy was their head coach for one year, mm-hmm. uh, so it's it just really it's really funny to know that they were together in college. I think it was that Van Gundy's only college job. 
I, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the master of terror, as some Detroit media call him, or they just quote what he said about building a wall. Um, they sell shirts. The, the MGO blog people sell a build-a-wall shirt. It's, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, he I think that's his only job. He's, he's an interesting character. That, yeah. The Pistons are an interesting team. Um, that, you think? That whole franchise, since Bill Davison died, is a train wreck. It's just yeah. a train wreck. Um, and their their arena is built next to a huge landfill. And, <laughs> well, they built actually they built the landfill next to the arena. Huh. The high school Jesus. I work at is literally four minutes from there. Um, it's it's weird. There's, everything is overpriced. You want the Pistons to come into the new Red Wings arena? No, yeah, I love the Palace. Um, I even I though it, it's it's next to a landfill. Yeah, no, the Palace is. I tell you what. Even for sports, for any, I mean, for I've seen football, hockey, uh, the WNBA. I went when we were really good because the tickets were free. The Palace is one of the best venues you'll ever go to. Uh, it's really? it's awesome. It's great to see a concert at. The only issue is for people who live south of Detroit, it's like going to another state. For me, I'm I'm from north of the city. I just got to drive 20 minutes west. But no, it's really nice. I the Pistons, the Red Wings don't get along. That'll never happen. Okay. So somebody, somebody had implied that on a, on Twitter that that this was about that the Horizon League tournament was about also showing the the Pistons that they could promote basketball, but no, the, it's about showing the Big Ten that the Big Ten can have their tournament at the new arena. It has nothing yeah. to do with the Pistons or us. This That's is what I'm which is what you alluded to, Jimmy, last episode. I've alluded to and explicitly you said alluded, you flat out said it. I mean, is our associate commissioner not a former entertainment employee? Isn't what were you saying, Karen? Isn't one of our associate commissioners a, a former Olympia entertainment employee? I did not know that. I believe Julie. I I, I, yeah, she's, she's very close with the Olympia people. They all know her very well. Oh. I believe she's the one that's. Uh, no, she. I think she's the one, the associate commissioner. That's the former Olympia. Employee. Well. Oh. Okay. Let, moving okay. on. Um. Oh. I I did want to uh the one thing I did want to talk about obviously was the 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 right state win over Detroit today, but not so much the game itself, but the post game press conference from Billy Donlin, Carrick. <laughs> Yeah, you uh, happened to be in the room and kind of got yelled at for it. <laughs> I did, and he apologized. Um, he he was very much grandstanding. He came in with his statement and was pissed off. Um, and then he let JT and Grant talk, and uh, he he said on camera that I've told them if they say nice things, they get a steak dinner. And Yoho really likes steak, so he's going to say a lot of really nice things. And then uh, when he was walking out afterwards, he looked at me and Perry Farrell. He was talking to Perry Farrell about some old seven-foot guy that shot really good uh, bunny hoppers from, like, inside 10 feet. I don't know what his name is. It's way before my time. But then he, he turned to somebody, to I think to his SAD, and goes, so where's the nearest steak restaurant? So he wasn't kidding. Um, I'm sure he wasn't. He's probably going to Granite City, which is a, a brewery steak-type deal in the Marriott, but he was angry. He's angry his kids didn't get on the All-Horizon League team. He's angry about the double buy, which I totally understand. He should be angry. Uh, the format's ridiculous. 
Um, and it's only going to get worse next year, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Um, but, yeah, it's he was really pissed off. He yelled at me uh, because he, I guess he thought I have a vote, which I don't. Um, and I, I'm probably even more relevant now that I'm graduating, or less relevant, rather, now that I'm graduating. But he was he, he grandstanded for a good 15 minutes. Like, not a lot of questions, just Billy Donlin yelling. Um, and he blamed all the media. It's the media's fault, and then it's the league's fault. And um, he hates the league, I guess, from what I gather. And uh, he goes, let me tell you, you know, this tournament's been wonderful. The hotels, the, the arena, the food, everything's wonderful. The format sucks. <laughs> he was... He goes, it, it's horrible. My kids don't deserve this. It's not his, his, The biggest thing I took away from what he said is, is it's not good for the student-athletes. The double buy is not <laughs> fair or good for the student-athletes. Um, he, he was talking about that. He was talking about uh, – he, he mentioned, uh, like, winning two four-game tournaments, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's right. I mean, the, the, the double buy, and I will, I will limit this rant just because I don't want anybody to... I, I think we've heard me get angry about this tournament more than enough, especially since we're in the middle of it now. But the, the double buy made sense. The reason for it was to protect the top seeds, and it succeeded, and it put the best teams in the tournament, and whatever. And changing the format to a neutral site where you have four games, you, you, have, you have everything done in you know back-to-back days, eliminates... Uh, it, it, it moves things in a totally opposite direction. Um, number one, you give the, the two teams with a double buy an incredible advantage. Um, you're moving from what was an advantage of having you know your first game in six days versus a team that was playing their third game in five days and second in back-to-back nights to all of a sudden you're having uh, you, you're playing your first game in seven days or eight days and the other team is playing its third game in three days. And that's, you know, only that, you know, that, that semifinal. If you make it to the final against a team that beats that beats the other double by opponent, and you're playing somebody who's playing their fourth game in four days. So uh, the, the double by worked in the previous format, and in this scenario it goes completely in the opposite direction in that, the, you know, Oakland and, and Valpo have this incredible advantage over Wright State and Green Bay tomorrow night. That well, it's that, uh, Oakland actually more so, if I'm not mistaken, did that they actually have two extra days because their last game was on the Friday, Friday. was on the Friday before because they played the Friday the last day of the weekend of the regular season and Valvo yep. played on the Sunday, so they got because so Oakland has two extra days on top of that. That's that's a that's a uh, that's a scheduling thing. I mean. Did was Oakland predicted to be number two? Yeah, but yeah, we we've gone over this before. Scheduling a conference schedule is extremely difficult. Yeah. The guys oh, in the Horizon League office, sure it is because you oh, have to work it. with. Not hey, not everybody owns their arena. You know what well, I'm saying? You know what? A lot of and us have. Well, yeah, we definitely do need to move to where everybody owns their own arena, but scheduling can be difficult. I'm just I'm just saying. So it's it's not. Who, I, I who owns your arena? See, uh, the Wisconsin Center District is owns Panther Arena. Is that, that is a to where the Bucks play? Uh, no, the Bucks play across the street in the Bradley Center, which recently was uh, 
a couple of years ago, the naming rights were bought by BMO Harris Bank, so it's now the BMO Harris Bradley Center. Mm. Um, our our arena was built in 1954. Oh. Um, fu- fun fact: I learned today. <laughs> I didn't know this in 11 years that I've been going to the games minus 2012-13 when we were on campus. Um, I didn't know that our arena when it was built as the Milwaukee Arena in 54, I didn't know that the Milwaukee Arena was the first arena that was built for that was built specifically for television cameras. Mm. Um, yeah, it was the first one that was built uh, specifically to allow for television ca- camera setup as well as TV uh, t- television production studio inside uh, inside the arena. Um, that was shared with me by uh, Chad Canodal, one of our one of our very good friends. We were talking about how the arena doesn't recognize its history. Um, it was the Bucks <laughs> Arena. It was originally the Milwaukee Hawks Arena before they moved to Atlanta. Oh. And then, yeah, and then when the Bucks started, they moved in there. Um, it was Marquette's home arena for quite a long time. And then in the late 80s, when the Bradley Center was built, um, that was when the Bucks and Marquette moved over there. Um, it was so. It was a home of obviously Kareem's title team from '71, Marquette's '77 national title team. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of crazy history from a lot of different ways in that building. Um, hmm. Obviously, it's been our home for most of for since 2003-04, except for the 2012-13 season when our Wonderful shadow, you know, our shadow athletic director John Macron. Oh, excuse me, I mean uh, Andy Geiger, uh, forced us back on campus for a year. Um, <laughs> How big is your arena on campus? The Klatchy Center is was built in the 70s. It's a they they say that the capacity is about 3,500. It's actual actual seating is about 2,500. It's a pull out. It's a pull out bleacher gym. So it's open. Um, uh, no, because Oakland's arena is built to be an arena. Um, probably the closest thing I mean, the Horizon League has, um, I would point to Cleveland State's Woodling Gym that your volleyball team and wrestling plays in yes. at Cleveland State. And then uh, it's not it's not like Callahan. Callahan was built as an arena. The Klotchy Center is basically it was, like... It was built for the military. Oh really? I didn't the know that. The military were there until the '80s. Yeah, like there, there was like arms and stuff in the basement. You I'm sorry, like, oh. arms as in like guns and stuff. Guns and bombs and. That's yeah. awesome. No, uh, that's why it was called. It was because it was like a World War One memorial, I guess. I, I could be wrong. We have a World War One memorial on campus. No one really talks about like when we had ROTC and now we don't. Um, yeah. It's like a big, like even if I bring it up in meetings with like the board of trustees people and the dean of students, like they shut me up really quick. Um, Some just want to like shovel under the rug. I I don't know. Like when I when I got there in 2011, people would always joke that there was arms in the basement of Callahan, um, like still. And when they redid the basement for the new athletic training facility, which is gorgeous, um, I, I know they threw a lot of stuff out. So it's that'd be a part of U of D history to look at, but. I definitely know the army was there for a decent period of time, and uh, I call the I call Callahan the Armory so quick. Like, wouldn't that just be the like the best nickname for that place called the Armory? Like, that's so that's so cool. 
I love history, and I, I, it's 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 interesting to see that we're not the only school that's arena totally ignores its own history. I mean, we've got like at, at the at our arena, we've had the Beatles have played there, Led Zeppelin, Elvis played there, like like four months before he died. Oh. Um, we've had, I mean, pretty much every act. If, you know, in the mid '80s and earlier, that was a top of the top line act played there. Uh, every musical act, um, even even pro wrestling fans. So, are, are are you guys familiar with pro wrestling at all? Uh, I, I I dabbled. Okay, so Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yes, he crushes here. Stone Cold was uh, like a middling character in uh, in, uh, in WWF. And then in 1996, uh, Triple H had been booked to win King of the Ring, but then they had this like incident where uh, two guys, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, were leaving WWF to go to WCW. Uh, oh yeah, that was part of the whole. That was how, part of the whole Outsiders thing, and then they went over joined NWO. And yeah. and then '96, I think it was, and I remember this because it was '96 because Triple H was doing that stupid Hunter Hearst Helmsley. <laughs> That that ridiculous, uh, yeah. you know, classical like, you know, goofy so, like gimmick of his, and it was right. so ridiculous. I remember because so, right. I remember because it was a house. It was a house show in Cleveland, and it was. I mean, it was so laughable. How how that guy ended up becoming a in the, getting into a position of power in the WWE remains a mystery. Oh, that's, that's easy when you talk about her. <laughs> Well, that's true. Plus, he, they did change. He just he kind of uh, he probably lucked out in the fact that he kind of fell into. The, he was able to get the that Degeneration X gimmick going. I mean, well, I was, I was otherwise he'd just been. I I brought it up because you know at Madison Square Garden right before Nash and Hall left for WCW, they they were I think either they were I think they were the bad guys in WWF as uh, Diesel and Razor Ramon. And Shawn Michaels and Triple H were both good guys. And there was a cage match, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And during the show, this was a house show, so it didn't have it in person, but all four of them, like, got in the middle of the ring and basically, like, hugged it out because they were buddies and this was, like, their last show together. It was in the middle of the show. Was that Yeah, they call it the, um, they're called the click, was was what they call it. Yeah, well, it's the click. I couldn't remember where that was. was. They call it the MSG incident. Basically, in wrestling, mm-hmm. yeah. But what happened was, Nash and Hall leave. Um, Michael, Shawn Michaels is too big to punish. It's a big no-no, you know, breaking character, obviously, in pro wrestling. Shawn obviously, Michaels, you know, Shawn Michaels, it's a big no-no. So Vince McMahon basically punishes this tri- Triple H, who is still kind of like a you know mid-card, low-card character at the time. Triple H was very good in the ring, and, they, and the plan before that was to make him win King of the Ring, which was in Milwaukee at our arena, at what was then called the Mecca. After that, it was U.S. Cellular Arena. A couple of years ago, we bought the naming rights. So it was it was supposed to be Triple H. This incident happens. Triple H uh, basically gets knocked down the card. They, they give it to Stone Cold Steve Austin, like... Within you know, just a couple months difference, Stone Cold doesn't know it until the day it happens. So when the you know back then the King of the Ring, you'd win and you'd give like a speech. Mm-hmm. Well, Stone Cold wins it, 
goes to right where our student section used to be. Um, when, when I was a student, the student section was on the south side of the, of the floor. Goes to where the student section sits, where the where they have the throne set up, and he gives he gives a speech, which for wrestling fans is basically one of the biggest like promos ever because. It's the it's the speech what they all refer to as the Austin three sixteen speech, you know this is this is where he tells Jake Roberts you know you thump your Bible blah 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 John three sixteen well Austin three sixteen says I just whipped your ass <laughs> and the whole, the whole idea behind this is that Stone Cold's supposed to be a bad guy he's supposed to be a bad guy and uh, Vince McMahon's doing the color commentating, and you can actually like like watching the mat, like watching the promo. You you hear Austin say that line, and the fans and the crowd who are supposed to be booing are like all of a sudden they're like, "Whoa, that was awesome!" And like you get like <laughs> and people cheering it, and you know until that point, wrestling was you know exactly how it always is portrayed to be in other you know in other media. It's always portrayed to be this like. Saturday morning cartoon, the good guy versus the bad guy, you know, I'm American and I'm Russian, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it was always something like that. And then Austin came in and all of a sudden he's this anti-hero and that kicked off what they call as their attitude era, quote unquote. You know, the rest is history, but that's like, so that happened in our building. And for, you know, wrestling is a weird thing and I, you know, I, I, it's a guilty pleasure of mine, you know, this, uh, my friends and I are into it, like, a little bit. But, uh, but, but I brought it up because it's another part of our history that this arena just doesn't, you know, pay attention to. And it was, it was, like, one of the biggest, you know, moments in the history of an entire genre of fiction. You know, this, this right. fiction. Yeah. It's one of the biggest, the biggest moments ever. It's and and we just you know have totally like our arena. If you go into our arena, you would have no idea that it was the home of one of the biggest moments of wrestling history. It hosted some of the greatest concerts of the greatest musical acts of the 20th century. You would never know that it had the. Um, you would never know that it had the uh, 71 NBA champs or the 77 NCAA champs. Yeah, this is this is a building that very much was quote unquote built, although it was almost twenty years later, by you know Kareem and Oscar Robertson. So it was it's 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 funny to me to hear that hear Carrick talk about how Callahan Hall has this like history that you know nobody talks about because our arena has history nobody talks about. And I learned something today, you know that 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 it was the first arena that was built. Specifically to to handle television cameras, I thought that was ex- very interesting. The more you know, yeah, the more you know. Um, I got about five ten minutes. I I want to give you guys kind of my uh, my thoughts on being there since I was there all weekend. Um, yeah, that... before I got because I got to call uh, Carlton Brent his brother back because he tutors me in stats and I got some stats homework to do tonight. Um, yeah. But I, I, you know, the the one thing I noticed, and I, I just saw uh, Conkville talking about it on Twitter, um, and, and it's very true. Uh, the Joe's a hellhole. Um, it's always been a hellhole. My dad was this just is, last, my dad you, was just last night, and he said it was bad in 1977 when they built it. Um, oh, Carrick, it, it, it's funny you mention that because um, in the Gary Waters radio show uh, before the tournament last Monday. 
they said the same thing. It's like did, did you, both him and our and Cleveland State's play-by-play guy Al Pulaski are like, yeah, we're playing in the Joe, we're playing Joe Louis Arena for two years, and it's not a good arena. And they were not shy about it either, and I don't think no. anybody is. Truth be told, no. So you know that was one of his complaints. He he wrote up a little. Uh, Pongfield wrote up a little thing and threw it up on Twitter. The other thing was he he didn't know how to get in. There's there's really there's a really like huge sets of stairs to get in. I, I mean, it, so I, I don't I don't really know how to respond to that one. Um, and you know there is the regular panhandler selling stuff. Welcome to Detroit. You know, I I, I uh, you know I'm used to it because I've lived in the city for most of the five years I've been in school um, and the area by U of D is way worse than downtown by Joe Louis Arena by far. Um, If you've never heard an AK-47 go off at two in the morning and then them reload like five or six times um, and no, no police at all. uh, You you haven't lived. So um, (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and take your word for that. Yeah. um, My friend, where the freshman dorms are, <laughs> like where the freshman dorms are, we knocked down all the houses now. But five years ago, there was like a hey, maybe that armory down in Callahan Hall might be doing use. It might be a good puts a yeah, good use now. Uh, <laughs> we, we bought up all those houses and are slowly knocking them down. But back five years ago, it was a little projects, and yeah. things went down. Like one day, I looked out the window of my dorm, and one of the houses was just on fire. I mean. Just, just completely on fire. No one doing anything about it. I remember, I remember the first time that my friends and I went to Detroit for a game. This was, I think, it was '09. So my buddy Jose was a freshman, and we went to the Detroit game. We, we stayed overnight in Kalamazoo because we 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 just decided up and up to do it like really late at night. It was like 10 o'clock when we left Milwaukee. So like four, two in the morning, we stayed stayed at Kalamazoo, and we drove into. Uh, we drove into Detroit in you know in the morning, and so we went straight to the game before we got a uh, we well we went to Ypsilanti, got a hotel, and then on our way I in stay in Ypsilanti. Yeah, on our, <laughs> our related. Huh? Was that a strip club club related idea? Oh Jesus! No, 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 no. The buddy of mine went to EMU sure. when he was in class for. So he was so he wanted to stay in Ypsilanti. So we we were driving into town, and uh, one of the guys that was with us is uh, works in construction. And on our way in, he was counting out numbers. He's like one, two. And we're like, what are you like, what are you doing? And he, he by when he got to fifty two, he pulled we pulled in into the Callahan Hall parking lot. We got past the, the gates and everything, and parked pulled into the lot, and. He, we're like, he's like 52. We're like, what are you talking about? He's like, in our, in our drive, like after we pass that big, huge tire that's outside of town, he's like, yeah. like after we pass the big tire, I counted 52 houses on my on our way from between there and the arena where the porch or like the back porch or uh, a balcony that he could tell from the freeway or from the street, he could tell that those they were not up to code. Oh yeah, just from looking at. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh the, the area from the the freeway to school is not nice. 
Um, yeah, we were lucky to go there during the day. Yeah, yeah, I don't mess around down there at night, but that doesn't—I wouldn't say that's—that's that's not a part of Detroit people tour anyway. Um, yeah. But the you know what I liked about it um, was the the seating like on both sides of the court where they're playing wasn't bad. Um, it seemed to be a really big Detroit media presence, and it seemed like all the fans that were there were enjoying it. I know the Valpo people just hate it. It's icky. Um, I know a lot of people in the Detroit media who seem to think that is a racist thing. Uh, whether that's true or not, I'm not going to be the one to say. Um, but a lot of the Detroit media we're, we're talking about, they're like, it's because they're from Mayberry and they don't want to be around African-American folks. Oh. That's And that was a pretty big sentiment. Anyone who was complaining, uh, now some of the Detroit media I hang out with, that's generally their, uh, their call to everything. Um I thought it was nice. You know, the arena's nasty, but the Horizon League did a great job. Um, that's a, that's a, it's a temporary thing. You know, the Red Wings play. The arena's going to be nice, and everything Olympia does is great. Um, now, our game today was horrible. Uh, oh? Our, I guess our game plan from talking to people after the game was uh, play good defense and don't let JT Yoho shoot. Um, <laughs> so I, uh, just take that with a grain of salt. Um, I was really sad to see, uh, Carlton and Anton be done, especially if that's the end for both of them. Carlton's up in the air, but that's definitely Anton's last game. Um, Final so, I bad, um, like 16 and 15. I, I mean, it's, bad it's bad it's like it's bad i mean that's i don't even pay attention anymore um he you know ray letting carlton sit on the bench for six minutes in the second half when he was the only one yeah scoring. i wanted to ask about that because that's just that seemed kind of strange to me because you had you had a guy who started the game out pretty well and then all of a sudden he's sitting on the bench for an extended period of time what was the what was the thought process behind that exactly uh, well I, good question because about six people asked me that while it was happening um, he's done that to CB a lot in the last four years. And, you know, I, I know Ray likes CB. He's known him since he was in high school, him and him and uh, Ray, Ray Jr. Actually, Ray Michael, because he's not junior. Um, played together in AAU, and they know each other real well. But it always seems like when Carlton makes a mistake, uh, he gets in the doghouse immediately. But if Matt Grant or Gerard Williams make a mistake, they're allowed to do whatever they want. Um and that's what kind of spooked me yesterday when Matt Grant took his, his pants and warm-up off and went in the game. I was thinking uh, Carlton's career is over regardless because he's going to let Matt do whatever he wants. Um, but Matt actually played really good. The, the thing that killed us today was Chris Jenkins did not score in the tournament until there was seven minutes left in the game today. He did not score in the first game against Youngstown, and he did not score until there's seven minutes left. If Sideshow Bob Marley is not scoring, it's a bad time. Congratulations, Jimmy! You have officially you, you, you've. All I know, he's retweeted me on it, and he's Bart hard. Likes it. I like Chris pretty Bart well. He, he's an odd man, so he probably enjoyed it. Um, Chris is a horse of a different color. He might join our alumni fantasy football league. Really? We gotta start talking to him. Yeah, we got a. My buddy Jose runs a fantasy football league that. Uh, to this day, Damian Ergel, and there's like three or four guys. I'm not in the league because um, I, 
wasn't yeah, I wasn't running the student section. This is like from like 2000. It was like 2010 through like 2012, 2013. Like players from that era. There are a bunch of guys from the Horizon League that are in some players that are in a fantasy football league that my buddy Jose runs. And I'm trying. I know, I know that Urgel's in it because Urgel and Jose talk trash to each other on Facebook all the time during the football season. And I'm trying to like, I, 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 I'm, 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 I wish that I, I see like Jenkins as a guy who would be like perfect for that. Cause he's just, is you can, you can tell he's just a guy who doesn't take anything too seriously. No, nothing. Yeah. Um, he, he has the world's largest sock collection. Really? He never wears the same socks twice in a game. So he's basically the anti-Matt Howard. Yes. Did you guys know that? Do you know Matt Howard wore the same socks like every yep. single game? Yeah. So, that wouldn't really surprise me. Yeah, no. Matt Howard seems to me to be like a guy who, like, when he's, like, eating cereal, he's thinking about basketball. Yeah. And when he's pulling on the same socks he wore yesterday, he's thinking about basketball. Yeah. That whole Butler team was a, a bunch of different guys, let me tell you. Do you think? Um... No, I, I thought the tournament was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I I really did not enjoy everyone's complaining about it. Um, and I, I, people have reason to complain for multiple reasons. I get it. You know, if I'm a Velpo fan, I'm upset. But some of pe- some people were just complaining that it, you know, well, Detroit is bad. No, it's not. I've li- if it was really that bad, I would have not have stayed there for five years. Um, yeah. I'm very middle class from the suburbs. I went to school in the in the middle of nowhere in the country. If it was that bad and made me uncomfortable, I would have got up and left. Um, so other than that, I mean, I think people are going to grow to like it. They gotta they gotta make it different though, so everybody can get there. Uh, you know, I think the yeah, I think the well, and I, I think the biggest issue is the fact that they right now they've got it. That's the the scheduling they've got it the Saturday to the Tuesday. I'm here. Um, here is Monday through Sunday. What? I'm sorry, what? Monday through Sunday with the women's tournament and the men's tournament in the same place. Really? Because that would be kind of a shift because the women's tournament is like literally one of the last ones, one of the last tournaments in in women's college basketball because I know that they're doing that up in Green Bay in the next couple weeks. So, um, But it's usually one of the last ones they do before the selection Monday, whatever the heck it is. Confused about this Monday to Sunday. I don't know how it's going to work. I was just told because I everyone in the athletic department talks to me and they forget that I I media, I guess. But uh, maybe they just don't care. Is what I think part of it is because everyone knows if you tell me something, it, it's going to get out one way or another. Um, but I I guess yeah, it's going to be like a week long deal. I I guess are they going to buy a hotel and let everyone have a room for ten dollars a night? Otherwise, nobody's going to show up. Um, yeah, if they're if they really want, like I thought that we'd be, I thought what they'd do is switch to a just move it up a couple days yeah. and have today be the title game. Like you have the Sunday the first, the Sunday before selection Sunday be the championship. Maybe that's the plan. Who knows? But it, I know it's staying. They're not going to abandon ship. Um, they 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 like it there. And the, oh yeah, they're gonna. The they're people in. we they're like it there. Everywhere. And I know everybody can complain, but the first time anybody comes and does the whole thing, they're going to like it there. There's too much stuff to do right in downtown Detroit that's fairly inexpensive. 
I mean, you can eat at some of the best restaurants in the Midwest, and you're not going to break the bank with two people. You can probably eat for 50 bucks. That doesn't happen most places. So I made made a few cracks early on about, you know, having it be in Detroit. Um, For for the record, when I went there with my friends, it was was fine. I mean, we didn't feel 100% safe on the way out of the game, of the Red Wings game the night we went, but at the same time, that was the first time that I, I had been so that was it was it was as much unfamiliarity as it was you know the reputation of the city. Um, so I'm not worried about that. I know that the district that the Red Wings are going to have around their the new arena is going to be really nice. I'm not worried about Detroit. For me, for me, it was it was it was all the format. Like I just I felt like I felt like what we had was what was great. Um, I felt like what we had was what kept Butler in the conference for as long as it was because I know that the M- yeah, I'm sure Bob knows this too. You know, the MVC was sniffing around Butler as as early as you know 2005. Yeah. Um, I know that there were several. I know that the Atlantic Ten had been sniffing around them. I know that there are there were certain schools that are still in the conference that have looked elsewhere in the past. Oh, I, I would say we're actively looking. Um, I, I I know that I know that in the past year. Uh, especially that some of the schools were kind of, a couple of the schools are kind of like thinking of, you know, other conferences in a more of a in a more proactive way. Uh, I'm, I was really encouraged yesterday by the attendance for the Detroit game, and I was encouraged today by the attendance at today's Detroit game. Um, I know that if we're going to, if this is going to work for the next four years after this year. Gonna have to be better for us coming from out of town. Yeah, I'm different because Saturday is my big day of work during the week. Um, I'm willing to take it off because I'm because I mean I'm like you guys. I'm a diehard. But if they want casual fans and run of the mill season ticket holders from schools to be willing to make that trip and not just have it be parents and friends. And the and the the real diehards that are willing to you know quit their jobs to go to these things, you know if they want that they're gonna have to make it almost like a Thursday through Sunday affair. Which I, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that's the plan. Maybe I heard it wrong, or you know maybe they got they got their info wrong. They're very, from what I can tell from being on the ground, they they want to make it work. Um, because I think having the tournament in Detroit is probably the only way you're keeping U of D if they get a new coach and get going. I mean, we I already know we've we're not actually looking because we currently have no money because we're rebuilding our endowment, um, and we're we're just getting back on our feet, um, money wise for with for building enrollment. But if U of D gets gets a different coach and they get going and they get to the postseason three or four years in a row, we're probably gone. And I would say, if our alumni cough up enough money, we're probably gone to the MAAC until that happens. Um, a lot of the old alumni legitimately hate playing state schools. It's a lot of them, you know, and they're gonna get mad at me for this. Most of those old guys, like I was telling Matt Dudick today when I I, I uh, gave him tickets because I'm a good rival, um, and instead of <laughs> being evil when I had four extra tickets and ripping them up, I gave them to him. Fun fact: he's a very large man, um, and I'm five foot seven, and I am never going to openly talk shit to him again. Because he beat the hell out of me 
Um, he's he's a very big man, and uh, never I'm going to be as nice as pie to him now, um, because I'm scared for my life if I were to ever really injure him. Every other person who's ever said is go is laughing right now because I'm six six and four hundred pounds. So is he is he bigger than me? Yeah, but you're friendly. Um, he, I he was catfishing me for a year. Um, <laughs> he, he was actively trolling me for fun for a whole year. Like yeah. anytime I if I tweeted something about Michigan football, he was he was calling my my president of the university saying the student body president likes Michigan football. It was so just Oh, I remember that too. That was hilarious. I'm sorry it really was it was it's funny now. Yeah, I, I, it, it's funny now that we buried the hatchet. It's what funny now, but well, it was funny to me then too. But I, I you know, I'm an ass. Why? So well, because you're probably an Ohio State fan. That's why you find it funny. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I do not own a. Uh, I'm sorry, I went to. I graduated from Cleveland State. Under no circumstances do I have Ohio State anywhere near my damn diploma. Good for you. Anyway, <laughs> um, you no, know, I, you know, so that was weird. But other than that, um, good time had by all. The Milwaukee fans are really good looking. Um, I, and all a lot of people were saying it. Like multiple multiple writers came up to me and they're like, "Where in Milwaukee get all these young women at?" I'm like, "I, I oh Jesus, know. I have." I, I say this. I've probably been DM'd on Twitter about by about seven or eight people this weekend about the about the manager, the brunette manager. On she our was team. not there. I did not see her. Yeah, they were all asking where she was because they were <laughs> they were like, "Where's the where's the manager?" I I, 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 I don't know. Yeah, well, we got. I mean, uh, we got. By a... the way, guys. Yeah. Um, not to interrupt you or anything, but um, I just saw um the um Oakland's uh YouTube. They did the uh, Grizz Vision with Greg Campy. Um, apparently it looks like he, uh, in, uh, on a court on that broadcast, it looks like Max Hooper was, is, I guess is planning to be in, in at, at semis. Wow. Yeah. Well then, so like I said, talking to Matt Dudek, he's either going to be really good or really bad. I think between with Max Hooper. Yeah. And I think that, uh, I think the kid's a, the kid's a ball player and to, to get to division one, Without having, you know, just without having just like LeBron kind of like gifts from God as far as like your natural ability, um, you have to have a certain level of drive to mm-hmm. do, to get to that level. And I'm sh- I am sure that I, I, that's why I wasn't surprised because you know Max Hooper is one of those kids that's just that just you know lives in the gym. Uh, in the middle of July, when he could be outside having fun with people, and I'm sure he puts up 5,000 shots a day. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be really good semis because uh, I got to I got to get to my stats. I think Oakland wins the whole thing, um, and I, I think Valpo gets an at-large via Oregon. I know really? you think I'm crazy because of that, but I I think Jimmy that, would be one of those people because I think Jimmy's been on record for saying that they will not get an at-large. I think it's crazy. Um, I, I I I just I wish it's true. I really hope it's true, because nothing nothing helps us more than having uh, multiple teams. Because you know if you have an at large, that's one unit without having to play a game. So that's I mean that's one point five million divided up eleven ways. You know ten teams in the league. 
or excuse me, 12 ways. Ten teams in the league, and the winning team gets a second slice. Uh, that was that was what it used to be. I don't know if that's what it's going to be going forward, but that's 1.5 million split those ways uh, over over six years, and that's money that each of us need. You know, yeah. Carrick's just talking about how how that university's, you know, UDM is pulling itself, you know, trying to rebuild its um, its endowment. You know, Bob, you guys have uh, lots of problems. I know we have. Uh, big our athletic department has has a big, somewhat fallacious debt. But uh, so we don't have any problems. We just have a, we have just students who apparently just want to spend eleven million dollars every year just for nothing. Your student body uh, funds the athletic department more than any other student body does on a per student. They do, as a matter of fact. It's just, and it, which is ironic because now they're just they're actually just bitching about the uh, president moving into moving back into a into a house as opposed to an apartment. Long story. Don't want to get into it. I think it's just the most hilarious thing on the planet. They're bitching about that, but not the fact that they're you know that they're putting in shelling out eleven million dollars for an athletic program they don't care about. I bring those up because we all need money. We we yeah, all have our departments need money. So it's a it's it's, it's something to think about when you know Butler's first year will be up next. I think it's next year we lose the 2010 Final Four stuff, and then you know so so wait hold on 10 11 12 14 15 16. So the 2010 Final Four money is coming up this year. And the 2011 Final Four money will be done next year. Those mm-hmm. are five, five units from each year. So uh, back then it was they were both both years were about a million dollars per unit. So you're talking about a million over six years for the schools that were in the conference. So I, I, Oakland and Northern Kentucky don't get it. The rest of us do. So that's what eight. That's like eight or nine. If uh, the Horizon, I think the Horizon League gets part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of money, is what I'm saying. So uh, yes. we need yeah, units. We need to get help with those units. Um, yep. Not making or making those bad teams not play the little sisters of the poor. And I, I know Jimmy, you you get on it, but I mean, literally, even Valpo. Why are you playing four division division two and NAIA NAI teams? Why is Detroit playing Central State? For God's sake, please play Wayne State. I will. I will. <laughs> I'll say this: I, I used to be a guy who railed against the non-D1 games because, in because when Rob Jeter took over here, Bruce Pearl was always a guy who would play low major teams like per like Prairie View A and M, you know, Elkhorn State teams like that. Whereas uh, Rob Jeter would replace those games with you know like we play Parkside from our from our state, some other Division two school. Sometimes we'll play like an NAIA school in a regular season game. And our fans hate it because they buy season tickets. Um, so I used to rail against it. But the RPI is very important for the selection committee. Uh, it's very flawed. We all know this. I, mm-hmm. I think we all agree that at least the catalog ratings and probably more ratings are better, you know, better ways to uh, judge a team. But the selection committee uses it. And playing a team that's 350 in the RPI hurts our, it hurts your RPI considerably. Um, the, the one I the example I always use is from the 0506 season. We were it was Rob Jeter's first year. Was that the we torture porn year? Uh, no, that was the next season when okay. we lost all of our players. You took about my, my Twitter profile. Yes. Okay. 
uh, that was the 06, 9, and 22 season. But in um, in 05, 06, we were 42 in the RPI. We played Youngstown State at home in a late season game, beat them by 40. It was nine, I believe the score was 98, 58. Um, the only reason I remember the score is because if we scored 100, everybody got free meals from Popeyes, and Miles McKay missed All like right. two. Sh- Miles McKay missed like two shots in the last minute and became like the dog on campus for a week. But uh, but what, what I bring I bring it up because we were 42. We beat them by 40, and we woke up the next morning as like 72 in the RPI. Yeah. That's that's the problem, you know. Well, here, in, then what is Youngstown and UIC doing to be that bad in the RPI? Well, they're doing stuff. Youngstown yeah. is about to re-up somebody, you know. I don't think Slocum's the problem. I think Youngstown's problems are infrastructure. I don't want to get into yeah. Yeah, we've talked about it a lot anyway, so and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a few more in upcoming episodes. So, uh, but uh, yeah, Carrick, I know you, you're kind of running up against it. So, uh, I yeah, I think at this point in time, we'll just kind of wrap up this week. Uh, next week, obviously, you know, Selection Sunday, and you know, we'll we'll get into all that, and you know, we'll we'll see who the eventual champion is at this uh, at Motor City Madness here. Carrick, um, again, thank you for joining oh, us yeah. on this con- podcast. And uh, again, guys, he's his his, uh, his assessment is going to be on CampusPressBox.com this week. Good luck to the four teams left. I want to yep. say that. Absolutely. All right. All the last four teams make it a you know make it good. Entertain us. <laughs> Are you not entertained? <laughs> So. All right, we'll see you guys next week.